I want to tell you today about Ben Patterson. Ben went on a backpacking trip, a, a mountain climbing trip with three of his friends. Uh, two of them were experienced mountain climbers, and Ben and his other buddy were not very experienced, but they were climbing in Yosemite National Park, and they were going up the highest peak there, Mount Lyell. Uh, I don't know if I pronounced that right, but I think it is. Anyway, the two experienced guys got a little ahead of Ben and his other buddy, and that sort of infuriated Ben because he's very competitive. And so he saw a trail going off to the side and thought he would take a shortcut. Well, Ben went down this trail, and pretty soon he came to a place where he had to jump down a little uh, area there to get down to the next level of the trail. And when he jumped down, he found himself on a solid sheet of ice. And he looked around, there was nothing to grab onto, and before he knew it, he realized he was in big trouble. Either way he went, it was solid ice going down and one false step and he was going to slide thousands of feet into the bottom of the canyon there. He was scared. He began to yell for help. The two experienced mountain climbers came running and finally when they got there, they realized they could not reach Ben. He was a good distance away there. And what one of them did was lean over with a pick and he cut two uh, places in the side of that mountain in the ice where Ben could use his steps and he told Ben, he said, Ben, put your feet, put your left foot first and then your right foot and reach and I'll grab you and we'll all pull you up and you'll be safe. So Ben had to listen to the voice of the experienced mountain climber, the voice from above. Ben was very scared and the experienced guy said, Ben, by the way, uh, when you step, don't lean into the mountain. Lean back. Otherwise, if you lean in, your feet are going to slide off and you're going to fall. And we won't see you anymore. And ben thought about that for a minute. He thought, man, when I'm about to fall off a mountain, I want to cling to the mountain. I want to lean in. I wanna, I, I, it just comes natural to me. But he told me not to lean in. In fact, lean out just a little bit. It's scary. But there are times when you have to trust the voice of experience. You have to trust the voice from above. So Ben said, yes, I'll do it. Took the two steps, and before you know it, he was pulled to safety. And everything worked out. All because Ben was willing to listen to the voice from above, the voice that knew what to do. We're continuing our series today uh, called Open Your Heart. And there are times in life when we have to open our hearts to listen to the voice above. We began this series last week looking at the story of the birth of Jesus. We call this the birth narratives in, uh, in Luke chapter 1 and 2. And it's part of uh, uh, the story of the birth of Jesus. And we began last week looking at the birth of another young baby, John the Baptist, and his father and how he was sort of spiritually down. But God lifted him up and, and did a great thing through him and his wife Elizabeth to bring John the Baptist, who would be the forerunner of Jesus and would announce Jesus to the Jewish people back in the first century. But today we move on and we're going to think about another figure who had a baby in the Scripture. And this baby, of course, would be the baby Jesus. 
And we're going to talk about uh, opening your heart to God's plan. You know, if we're going to open our heart to God's plan, there are times when we have to listen to the voice above. There's just going to be times when you've got to listen to that voice. You know, that inexperienced mountain climber, Ben Patterson, had he not listened, he could have ended up, well, at the bottom of that mountain. And we would have, nobody would have seen him ever again. But he did listen. He listened to that voice. And there are times when we have to listen to a voice, that we have to trust God's voice and listen to what God wants to do in our lives. Uh, God has a plan for everybody. But you know there are times when we can get sidetracked. Uh, maybe you've heard the story of these two men, Roy Colette and Larry Kunkel. And uh, Larry was going to college, and his mother, during his college time, sent him a pair of brown, yellowish-brown, moleskin pants. And uh, I think we have a picture of those pants up there. Uh, and anyway... Uh, she thought they'd be warm in the wintertime, and he lived in Minnesota going to college, and after about three times of wearing those pants, he discovered in the cold weather of Minnesota, they just got too stiff, and they weren't comfortable. And so he took the pants, wrapped them up, and re-gifted them, and sent them to his brother-in-law, Roy Colette. And so Roy got the pants, and he too wore them, and discovered the same thing, so the next Christmas, he re-gifted them back to Kunkel. Uh, uh, and then the next Christmas, Kunkel re-gifted him back. And back and forth, they went for a few years. But then one day, Colette had this great idea. He packed them in a pipe, a three-foot-long pipe, and capped it off at both ends and sent them to Kunkel. He thought it was a practical joke, but... Kunkel, when he got them, saw it as a challenge. And he repacked them. He folded them up in a square, wrapped them in wire all the way around to make them difficult to get into, and sent them back to Colette. Well, game on. And back and forth they went for years, uh, packaging these pants in different ways. Uh, Colette once put them in a wooden box and filled it with rocks and then nailed it shut and put steel... Uh, straps around it. Uh, it. Finally, it got so elaborate, they said, we got to come up with some rules. And the rules were uh, the pants were damaged by either party, the one wrapping or the one unwrapping. It was game over and you lost. Uh, you couldn't spend any money on sending them. Uh, and you had to wrap the pants in a legal way. So back and forth they went with this. Uh, Kunkel once mounted them inside of a window. And Colette once put them in a coffee can and put them in an oil drum and filled it with concrete. And uh, uh, then one time they were put in a 600-pound safe and it was welded shut. I guess they had that record to deliver that. And uh, they were once put in a, a truck tire that was filled with concrete. Uh, my favorite was they were put in a 1974 Gremlin glove box and it was crushed into a three-foot cube and delivered to the other. Finally, it, you know, for Kunkel, he said it just got to be too aggravating trying to get it out, and it was frustrating. It was ruining his Christmas. And so he agreed, I'm going to have these things mounted in bulletproof glass, 
and I'm going to send them to you, to Colette, and you give them to my mother. And, and uh, you know, back to my mother. And Colette didn't do that. He put them inside of a car, filled it with concrete, and had the car delivered back to Kunkel's house. And back and forth, they continued to go. This went on for 20 years. Newspapers got involved in it. Finally, Colette decided he was going to do the ultimate thing. He was going to put these pants in an a insulated wrap, and he was going to have them covered. He had a friend that owned a glass company covered in molten glass, and at last they would not be able to be taken out. And when he did, the pants burned up, and he lost the game. But you know, this, this thing, it, it started out to be fun, but it got so serious that it sidetracked him, and it got to be a, a, a distraction away from what Christmas is really all about. You know, if we're not careful in our busy world today, we can get distracted. And when we get distracted and we don't remember what Christmas is all about, we cannot hear a voice from above that speaks to us and tells us what he desires. Let's go to Luke chapter 1. Of course, last week we looked at the birth of John the Baptist and we saw how God worked in Zechariah's life to bring and restore him spiritually. Uh, but, of course, he had to trust God. And today we're going to look at this young girl uh, who God uh, wants her to discover her role and her place in his plan. So let's begin reading here in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel uh, to Nazareth, to a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. We know when an angel appears, God's up to something. I mean, we just know that. We read that in the Bible. And he's going to give Mary this plan that he has. And, and uh, he, he he's, is about to do something that is phenomenal. Now, he doesn't force her to do this, but I'm sure God knows her heart, and God knows all things, and he knows what Mary is going to do. He knows that she will accept. You notice it calls her highly favored. That means he knows that she's a faithful servant of his. I want to ask you a question. What about you? Are you open to do what God wants to do in your life? You know, will you open your heart to God's plan? That's a question I want to raise today, and I really want us to think about this idea. Will you open your heart to God's plans? That, that angel Gabriel, he'd been a pretty busy guy, hadn't he? I mean, you know, here he is. He appeared to Zechariah and had to convince Zechariah what was going to happen. He, he's now he's appearing to this young girl, Mary, uh, the Lord's servant, and he's explaining to her uh, imagine it could be stressful to bring this kind of news, uh, uh, but here he is. This guy, Gabriel, or this angel Gabriel, you know, he, he appears very seldom in the Bible. He appears in the book of Daniel two times in chapter 8 and chapter 9, and he appears to Zechariah and he appears to Mary. That's the only time that we know 
that by name he is called Gabriel and appears. In these cases, he's bringing a message. Gabriel is known to be the messenger angel. He's an archangel, and he brings this message. There's another angel called Michael. Michael is an archangel, and he's known to be uh, the, uh, the protector angel or the, or the warrior angel for God. He appears, in, we think, in Daniel chapter 10, and then again in, in the book of Jude, and in the book of Revelation, and in Jude and Revelation, he does battle with Satan. So he's the, he's the warrior angel of God. But this angel Gabriel is a messenger. And usually his message has to do with the coming of the Messiah. He pointed Zechariah to know that his son was going to be the forerunner of the Messiah. He pointed Mary to know that her son was going to be uh, the Messiah. Now, God, if he speaks to you, probably won't use an angel. In that day, they didn't have all of the Scripture. God sometimes had to use messengers to bring his message so people would know what he wanted to do. Today, we have the whole and the complete Bible. God speaks to us, though, in various ways. He speaks to us through prayer and sometimes through the Holy Spirit nudging us, and sometimes through the circumstances we find ourselves in, whether opening doors or closing doors, and sometimes through His Word. But always when He speaks to us, it will not contradict the Word of God. That's the checkpoint for when we think God is bringing a message or a plan to us. If you think you have a message from God, and it goes against the principles of the Word of God, it's not from God. But God has a plan for all of us. Be careful if you think you see an angel. The Bible says Satan masquerades as an angel of light. That's why you need the Word of God to double-check. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that God created us in Christ Jesus to do good works which God had prepared in advance for us to do. God has a plan. He has a plan for every one of us. He has a way He wants to use you in His kingdom. Maybe more than one. Maybe over and over again, God wants to use you. He won't force you. You have to open your heart for what God wants to do. Look back at verse 29. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You know, God's surprises and plans are not to be feared. Uh, as we look at this, the appearance of Gabriel started, startled Mary. I mean, an angel appears, you're probably going to be startled. Zechariah says, he told Zechariah, don't be afraid. So don't be afraid when God speaks to you, when God sends you a message some way, don't be afraid. God is trying to move you in a direction. Uh, he may be trying to change something in your life. He may have something better in mind. And His plan may not be easy, but it is never to be feared. Never to be feared. He's in it with you. And what he has in mind is going to be for your betterment in the long run. Don't be troubled. He may change your plans, but he's in it for the good, and he's 
he's trying to work through you. You know, I can imagine that Mary had her life planned out. You know, she was engaged to be married to Joseph. I can imagine she thought, oh, we're going to be in my hometown of Nazareth and we're going to set up our own business. Joseph is a wonderful carpenter and we'll just have a great life and maybe have a house full of kids and all of a sudden things are changing. I suppose Mary could have just shrieked and ran away. But she didn't. God already knew what she was going to do. He knew she was going to make the right choice. A few days ago, I came across a song I was reminded of. I barely remember it from my earlier days, back in the 60s, I guess. I guess it was first made popular by Frank Sinatra, but then made popular by Elvis Presley. Fools rush in where angels fear to tread. Maybe you remember that song. But you know, it's not foolish to follow the voice of God. Maybe the word should say, heaven rushes in where fools fear to tread. It's never foolish to listen to the voice of God, that voice from above that speaks to you. Now Mary had a few questions, but she opened her heart to what God wanted to do. I wonder, can we be more open what God wants to do? Can we, can we try to find out what He wants to do? Can we seek Him out? Do we see the, the big picture of, of what God's trying to do in and around us, in our churches, in our lives, in our families? And do we sort of seek how God wants to move us? Or anytime God wants to change something, do we start to shy away? Do we get... Do we get angry and frustrated? And Oh God, why are you making me do this? Why are you putting me through this? I heard about this little boy. And he was told that he was going to have a brother. And that it would be a few months, but he would get a new little brother. And he went to school and he was bragging to everybody. And every day, I'm going to have a new brother. I'm going to have a little brother. I get to be a big brother. And... Every day the teacher would hear him and he would say, I'm going to have a big brother. One day he got home from school and his mama was getting pretty big and she said, come put your hand on my belly. And he laid his hand there and the baby kicked and it scared him. And he shied away and he got quiet and next day he went to school and he didn't say anything about his brother. Days went by and the teacher noticed he wasn't saying anything. And finally the teacher said, Thomas, come here. He said, you, you haven't said anything about your little brother. What's going on? He said, I think Mama ate him. You know, sometimes we just don't see the big picture. And little Thomas didn't understand what was going to happen. He didn't see the grand scheme of things. And sometimes we can get like that. We can shy away because we don't see the grand scheme. But you've got to know that God is involved. Something great is going to happen. Mary got it. Verse 31. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. You know, God's plans include revealing his love. That's what this is all about. This, this, this message, the Jews had been waiting on this message 
for hundreds of years now that their, their Savior was going to be born. Their Christ, their Messiah, the Anointed One, was coming. Now, they had a different idea about what he was going to be. They thought he was going to be political and military-minded, and he was going to raise their nation back to great strength. They didn't know he was going to be a spiritual king. They didn't know he was going to work deep down in the souls of men to change their lives. But here was Gabriel. You know, sometimes I think we, we picture God with this big, booming voice. I don't see Gabriel coming this way. I see him coming alongside Mary and saying, Mary, don't, don't be afraid. I've got a message for you from God. And in the quietness of the moment, he lovingly explained to Mary that God was going to use her. You know, the Bible says over and over again, God is love. It never says God is loud. I think the only times we see that God is loud is when he's angry with somebody. But in this case, he had the message of love. Your Savior's coming. He had the message of, of great joy that the, that the one you've been waiting on is coming to bring hope to a world. We, know, we all know that verse, that famous verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It's the message of love. God was willing to send his son to step out of heaven to come and save us. That love came in a little seven, eight pound baby to a young girl, a virgin. The word there in the Greek means that she was probably about 13 to 16 years old. That's the age when they usually got married back in that day. Isn't it amazing that Mary followed God's plan and brought into the world the person that would be most responsible for the greatest change in the world since time began? That's Mary. I wonder how we would have reacted if God had called us to do that. If God would have called us to do something great like that. Well, well, God, wait a minute. You haven't seen my calendar. I'm just a little too busy. Uh, you want me to do what, God? I, I'm just not talented in that area. Maybe you could find somebody else, God. You know, what about when God calls you to do something simple? You do that? What about when he asks for volunteers in the children's department, as he's been doing for the past several weeks? How do you respond to that? Oh, God, please don't do this to me. Uh, I don't need the pressure right now. God, please get somebody else. Do you know what? When we open up our hearts, when we open up our hearts to what God wants us to do, things happen. Either way, if you shut your heart, something's going to happen. If you open your heart, something's going to happen. Usually when you open your heart, you end up, even if it's something you don't think you want to do, you end up finding great joy when it's all over. When you close your heart, you may end up being like some of the, uh, the Pharisees that uh, when John and Peter were preaching and teaching and healing in the name of Jesus, and they, they arrested them and they were going to put them to death. And Gamaliel, a wise old Pharisee, came before them and said, wait a minute, people. 
if this thing is not of God, then it's going to fail. So we just need to let these guys go. But if it is of God, then we're just going to find ourselves fighting against God. So when the voice of God comes and speaks, you end up not going the direction that he wants you to go, you might end yourself fight, find yourself fighting against God. Better to go with God's plan and see where he wants you to go. Martha had a busy day. It was, it was treacherous, and she had volunteered to make two pies for the women's meeting the night, uh, that night. And she was stressed out and finally got home and was able to put the pies together and was just getting ready to put them in the oven when the phone rang and it was the school and her teenage son was sick and she needed to come pick him up. So she said, well, I'll go get him. I'll come back, put the pies in the oven. Everything will be fine. When she got to the school, the school nurse said, uh, he's running a higher fever now. You need to get this boy to the doctor. And she rushed him to the uh, walk-in clinic, found out he had the flu. They called in a prescription. They said, get this boy home and get him in the bed so he doesn't spread the flu anywhere. And so she took off and got him home, uh, went to the store, got the prescription filled, was heading out of the store looking for her keys and realized she had locked her keys in the car. She looked up and she prayed, God, you're the one that nudged me to volunteer to make those pies. And if I don't get in my car, I'm not going to be able to get those pies to the church. So this is on you, God. So she called her husband. She couldn't get a hold of him. She called her son, and she said, How do I get my keys out of the car? He said, Mom, go in the store and get a coat hanger, and then you'll be able to get the keys out. So she goes back in, quickly finds a coat hanger. She's heading out, and she looks at that coat hanger, and she says, What in the world do I do with a coat hanger to get the keys out? About that time, a car pulled up to the, to the curb there, and this, I'm going to call him scrungy-looking guy. He had on an old T-shirt with holes and jeans that were dirty and holes, and his hair was disheveled, and he had a scraggly-looking beard. It looked like he hadn't shaved in months, and, and he, was, he, was, he had a little odor to him and everything. And she looked at him, and she said, Young man, do you know how to use this to get keys out of a car? He didn't say anything. He grabbed the coat hanger. Where's the car? He was gruff. And they walked back to the car, and within seconds, he had the keys out of the car. She threw her arms around him and hugged him and said, Thank you, Lord. You sent me a good Christian boy to help me. And he pushed her off, and he said, Ma'am, I'm no Christian. I just got out of prison for Grand Theft Auto. She said, thank you, Lord, you sent me a professional. <laughs> God's going to work. God, God calls you to it, he's going to bring you through it, and he's going to lead you and guide you. But we have to open our hearts to what he wants to do. Well, verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin, the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. There's the proof that this is all true. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her six months. For no word from God will ever fail. 
Now, I want you to see, lastly, that God's plans will not simply revolve around you. You know, what happened through Mary affected a number of people. It affected her husband, Joseph. It, it, it affected uh, uh, Zechariah and, and Elizabeth and John the Baptist. It affected a, a group of wise men that came from afar. It, uh, it affected a group of shepherds that went away spreading the news. It affected the nation of Israel. It affected us, you and me. It has affected all of history since it happened and has become the most important event to happen short of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. All because this little girl decided to do and follow God's plan. God's plan for you may not be that elaborate, may not be that extensive. Maybe just God has in mind for you. Maybe he's going to prompt you just to add an extra note in a Christmas card that you write because you know somebody needs encouragement. Or maybe you run into somebody on the street that, that you just sense that they need somebody to talk to. And maybe that's God's plan for you right now is to do that. Maybe God has a plan to, for you to buy an extra gift and he's going to show you who to give it to. Or maybe God prompts you to put some extra money in your wallet because you might run into somebody that God has orchestrated you to come together so you can help them with that money. Maybe God wants you to work in the children's department at Central Christian Church. Who knows what God wants you to do, but you have to open your heart until you figure it out what it is he wants to do in your life. There's a lady in our church, I'm not going to tell you her name, uh, but I'm going to tell you her age because it's important. She's 78 years old. Twice now she's given me an envelope with some cash in it. Uh, first time for her birthday. She wanted to celebrate her birthday by blessing somebody. And she gave me $78 in an envelope and she said, I want you to take this and when you come across the person that needs it, you'll know who it is. Then you give it to them and tell them it's blessed by a 78-year-old lady in the church. Then at Christmas, she did the same thing. And I was able to help a lady pay an electric bill. She had kids at home. And, and the first time, I was able to do that. And this last time, uh, two weeks ago, a, a former student in our youth group, uh, she's grown adult now, young adult, her mother passed away a couple of years ago, but she called and she said, I'm moving into a new apartment. I need some help. I don't have a way to get my mattress there. Can you, can you help? And I got Dennis and Joel, a couple of guys, and, and they did all the work, and I went along as the ambassador, and we, we moved the mattress. They moved the mattress, and we got it set up in her apartment. Two days later, she called me. She said, I meant to say something to you, but I was embarrassed but she said I haven't eaten in two days this was last Saturday the day we were going to have our Away Cafe Christmas party and uh, she, I said this was afternoon and I was getting ready to go to the party and I said meet me at the church at 6 o'clock and I'll make sure you got some food And so she showed up and we loaded her up with some of the food that we had there for the Christmas party but then I was able to bless her with that $78, and she promised she would use it wisely to get food uh, so that she 
wouldn't be hungry for a while. You never know how God's going to prompt you. And she was so grateful for the help that, that we gave her. And she was blessed. You know, there's an old children's book. I haven't seen it in years, but it's called Where's Waldo? Y'all remember Waldo? And in this book, there are these busy scenes. I think we have a picture of one of those. And you have to find Waldo in there. And you can sit with your kids, little kids especially, before they can read. They can know Waldo, and they can find Waldo. And you sit and you go through page after page trying to find Waldo on each page. But you know, the only way to find Waldo, it's not easy. I usually don't find it before the kids do. And you, you have to seek it out. You have to look at it. You have to study it. And you have to, you have to go through. And the only way you're going to find what God's plan is for you is if you seek it out. Because he doesn't use email or text messages. But he will speak to you if you listen. And so if you put your heart, open your heart, and look for God, he's going to show you the plan that he has for you. Verse 38 said, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Mary's saying, okay, God, I'm all in. And here's our connection. When we open our heart to God's plan, he uses us to bring Jesus to the world. God worked through Mary, literally, to bring Jesus to the world. And she didn't give excuses. She opened her heart, and the rest is history. You know, life tends to be busy this time of year. If we're not careful... We can let things like trading a pair of pants or re-gifting a pair of pants get in the way of hearing God's message. But God wants to use all of us to bring Jesus to the world. And if you don't do your part, well, somebody else might just miss seeing Jesus because we didn't do what God had planned for us. So this year, I want to challenge you, don't put Jesus on the back burner. In fact, put him on the front burner and turn up the heat a little bit. And who knows, somebody else's heart might be worn because you follow God's plan. You probably won't change the world, but you might just impact somebody's world. So take a minute today and practice what Psalm 46.10 says. Be still and know that I'm God. And open your heart sincerely to what God wants to do. In fact, let's do that right now as we pray. Let's sit in silence for just about a half a minute and see what God might say. Be still and know that I am God. God, we know that we live in a busy, crazy, sometimes terrible world, but often joyous. And we know that you're still in work and that you bring joy to many people's lives, but most often you do that by working through somebody else. And so I pray today that you would help us to be a people 
to open our heart to your plan to see what you want to do, to see how you want to use us this year, Father, to bring Jesus to some small part of this world so that people, other people, might have their heart touched and warmed and open to the possibility of what you want to do. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray and praise. Amen.